Arthur, I'll be in here. Quiet now, I'm recording. Hello. Tick here. <clears throat> you, my friend, well, if you're an evildoer, cover your ears. Because you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast, which is nothing but Keen Spoon! All right, Arthur, you can come out now. Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, we have uh, two comic creators here from the comic Metaphorical Hurry. Welcome writer James Maddox and artist David Stoll. Thanks so much for being here with us, gentlemen. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having us on. We have a good show lined up for you today in our retro roundtable. It was this month in 1818 that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was released. Nice. Hmm. So I thought, yeah. let's do a tribute to movie monsters. Oh, yeah. Let's just talk movie monsters. I think we may have done this in the past, but we were leaning more toward the like, kaiju monster side. That's true, yeah. So this will give a maybe a different take on yeah. something we've already done in the past. Uh, then in the comic uh, vault, what do we have, gentlemen? I want to talk about... Uh, Harry Bible Fellowship and a book the author recently released, uh, Nicholas Gerwich, called Notes on a Case of Melancholia that I absolutely love. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Jack. And from our good friend Bob Sally over at Source Point Press, I have Ogre. Hmm. Okay. Hell of a name. Yeah. yeah hell of a cover, cover there, yeah. too. It looks pretty cool. Yep. Few of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to James and David and talk about metaphorical her. But before we do that, Jake, here at the Candare Podcast, we're heavily reliant on our social networking presence to keep information flowing and ratings high. So do please do us a favor and yourselves by liking, retweeting, sharing, what have you, on all of our various social networking outlets. That's um, at CandarePod on Twitter and Facebook and at Can underscore Air on Instagram. Head on down, see what's new, what's happening, side projects such as our What If podcast that's really taken off. And uh, if you really, really like what we do, head on down to Patreon, throw a little donation our way. It goes much further than you think. And if you can hit that $5 mark, you have access to the Founders Club Patreon exclusive podcast. And in the way of what if we just uh, our last episode that just went up, uh, what, what if the world, uh, what if fast food never existed? Uh, that was picked, helped to be picked anyway yeah, by the uh, listeners, so by thanks. our Twitter followers. So that one got heavier than expected. It did. I did not expect that one to take the lead, but uh, what an interesting episode that was, and uh, I hope the listeners like it. I hope you guys like it. Go check it out, and uh, keep an eye on our social media. We're going to be doing a lot more of that in the future, maybe even for Candare, uh, to see, uh, you know, give you guys, but give you the power to control the episode. But anyway, uh, with all that behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. <laughs> I'm going to say really quick off the bat, my picks here are kind of unconventional, okay. I guess. I mean, you, you probably wouldn't think of them as monsters. I'm, I'm looking more in the animation of life. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. Weird science comes to mind. I'll be sure. I'll make that be the very <laughs> yeah. first thing. Being able to create your own bombshell beauty. I, uh, again, not a monster. And no. if it is well, considered a monster, it's a monster on my mind. Kind of, yeah. In a yeah. sense. I mean, it turns into a monster eventually, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But she's pretty bombshell. It's, like, want, right? it's, like a, it's like a situational monster. True. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's under true. the right <laughs> circumstances. Monsters. Right. <laughs> I mean, gentlemen, in the end, the monster is always us. True. <laughs> it's like the go-to trope. It's the truth. We, it really we is. We have yeah. been the monster inside the whole time. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 You nailed it on the head with that. Yeah. Anything zombie-related, vampires even. What they, have we done? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, even like Godzilla's, what, metaphor for nuclear testing and yeah. weapons yeah. and stuff. We're Still, pretty much the monster. Where to there. blame for that? Yeah. Let's make a monster movie where no one can say, "What have I done?" <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nobody's problem. <laughs> it I was thinking, just like, exists. Oh, Cloverfield, but no, because there was that intricate bullshit 
alternate reality thing where some satellite from some corporation fell and disturbed the slumber of who cares i will say in this argument pacific rim does hold a hold oh, a, that's hold a, a leg because i mean they just they like just yeah there's a big hole in the ocean it, yeah. floor and that's where the fuckers come from like it or lump it thanks for streamlining that process guys yeah <laughs> <I really> appreciate <laughs> well shoot what is that independence story. day we didn't have any that's true that's not they our kind of showed up yeah that's and, true. and you know what in that case, we even tried to negotiate, right? It's like, what about peace? Sure. We were we were level-headed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think far more than we would be. Shoot Mars attacks even. We didn't do anything. <laughs> we really tried. press conference. Yeah, yeah we tried. We could have avoided That's making it. that fucking movie, period. Yeah. That was a shitty <laughs> movie. Yeah. I Some wanted to see it. the dove off and setting off the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> was it Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a chihuahua? In that that was oh, the man. worst part, yeah. Yep. yeah. That was what made that movie. That was what made that movie good. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, both sides of the coin here on yeah. Candair. <laughs> well, when it comes to movie monsters for me... Uh, Obviously, my number one pick is Dracula, but I've talked mm. about shit like that so much. I want to sidestep the whole thing. Everyone knows I love Dracula. Let's move forward. I saw a movie recently that sucked, and it was called Life. So, if that's uh-huh. not uh, if that's not telling, I don't know what is. But Life, okay, yeah, it's got um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, okay, a number of other fairly big names. They're in this space station, which is struck oh, by some piece of debris. Yes. And they find this microbial life form. And I remember it started out kind of strong because they were talking about this this entity. They said every cell is simultaneously a nerve cell, a muscle cell, and a photoreceptor cell. And I'm like, oh, that's wild. That's life outside of what we know here on Earth. That's something completely alien. Mm-hmm. What an interesting concept. It's this thing that is so efficient and contained every part of itself is capable of locomotion and sensation and and thought process. I'm like, that's cool. They're off to a great start. By the end of the movie, it gets bigger and stronger and just becomes this flying squid thing with a big mean face. And I'm like, what happened to the bit where every cell did everything? Why does it need arms, you know, if every cell was a muscle cell? Why does it need eyes if every cell was a photoreceptor cell? Yeah. They just kind of threw their own rules out the window and made this generic, shitty alien monster. Mm. And I was bummed. I wondered what happened to that film, because I remember seeing trailers and being like, oh, I've got to see that shit. And then then, like like, a five-minute trailer of the in the little lab thing and it grabs a guy's yes, arm and that was that's really all you ever saw. That yeah. was but you're saying it turned got. into a, a hot mess. It, it did. It just really, really fell apart. But early on when they were just trying to figure out what the deal was, when they made all these inferences about how it worked, when it touched the guy's finger, mm-hmm. all of that was fantastic. Mm. Everything after that, totally forgettable. This sounds like the experience I had when uh, we were doing the what if episode, like what if shrinking technology existed. And I <laughs> yeah, went running yeah. after that Matt Damon film, Downsizing, because I wanted to see it forever. Sure. And it was dog shit, man. It's a shame. I was curious about that one. Mm-hmm. <sighs> really curious. It's such such a good idea. And just mm. yeah. anyway. So that's that's my pick for like movie monster that started out so interesting and then just became the next alien kill beast sure it, yeah no because uh it it, uh, it kind of runs up against um the, that monster runs up against uh the 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 barrier of the media that it's in right so like you you have a monster that's supposed to be um you know every cell is a muscle cell or whatever and then uh you you're in the development room and you say okay well it grows bigger now what does that monster look like and if every cell of that monster is optimized that monster looks like a blob yeah right yeah like <laughs> <laughs> like you can't have a cool monster based off of that. So like it's like a really cool high concept. You're like, oh my god, yeah, like the most efficient monster ever. And then like in reality, if you follow that to its logical conclusion, it would be like, well, that's kind of lame. So like it it, it makes uh, it, it makes sense to me that they went with like a weird flying spaghetti monster kind of thing. Uh, but I also <laughs> haven't seen the movie, so I don't know how shit it came out. I don't, it's a sh- I feel like they they could have made it work to an extent. They could have given sure. it a, a, like a somewhat definite form rather than just making it like totally amorphous, which I would have preferred. Whatever. Call well, me. They the already did that movie a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the 80s yeah. And then earlier. But I don't know. It was just so <laughs> yeah. generic. And it's a shame because, you know, you think like uh, wh- whose fault is it? Where does the blame lie? And yeah, that is the, a, 
the the person who conceptualized this monster, the people who brought it to life, the animators, like, no, these are probably all people working hundreds of miles apart, desperately trying to make this thing happen. It just didn't come together right. But you wonder how something so shitty like that, that is perceived on such a big scale as shitty, can get through that many levels of quality <laughs> check know. to being in a fucking theater, you know? It's, it's got to be like the sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like, all right, we've sunk so much into this. To, 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 yeah. The projector's going to hit yeah. the screen. I don't give a good goddamn what it looks like. When like the does. Mario Brothers movie. Like, <laughs> how do you not? Like, a month or two before you're supposed to release it. No, we got to pull the plug on this shit. This is going to hurt us. I, they're doing screen now, tests listen, if for we're talking fans. about favorite movie monsters, then the Goombas are probably, like, my favorite movie monster. Oh, Those wow. things are awesome. <laughs> that took an unexpected turn, but I like it. You know, I gotta don't, say, when I was younger... Don't Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, it's fine. I'll fight. I'll throw down about this. Nah, it's, it's, it's really weird because, like, they're... I don't know. Talking about how, how does it get so bad? It's... I, I have no experience in that industry at all but i imagine that the more people that get involved with you know what we should do we should do this you know like adding in additional thoughts and then you feel like you have to listen to that person's thoughts like i don't know i've, I've done a few true. collaborations where it goes off the rails really quick and if you don't rein it in like it can it can get it can get kind of trippy which can be cool don't get yeah. me wrong it can be cool to get trippy artistic but sometimes going around but sometimes it can get super vanilla and destroy, you know, a really good concept. Sure. I, and you have to totally see that. Yeah. You have to under think too that every movie is somebody's first. Whether right. you're in the front of the camera, behind it, whatever you're doing to make that movie, if it's your first, you have a level of enthusiasm because like like, like they were just saying, eager to make it in the field, you want to do the best you can and do it as yeah. quick as you can, no matter right. if it's a dog shit film. And you know, I've got to wonder how many people who are working on a movie get a clear view of of the whole picture. You know? Oh, that's true. Maybe through the, the narrow lens of what it is they have to do on a day to day basis, they're like, Well oh, shit, this is really cool. Like like the guy who was building the space station sets was probably thinking, Oh, this is perfect. The layout is great, everything's within reach. Oh, I've done my research, this is right. gonna be a great spaceship interior. And then I don't remember the interior layout of the station. Maybe it was the best representation of an actual functional space station that's ever been in movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just overshadowed by the fact that the monster ended up being not so great. And it's a shame because, you know, like you were saying, you get an interesting idea or like a unique one. And the more people you bring into the process, the more homogenized it's going to be. And right. like, not like it's going to be bad, but you bring in a wide range of views, opinions and tastes. You're going to get something that's diluted to the point that everyone's kind of OK with it. Mm-hmm. And you raise a hell of a great point there to uh, to insinuate that, you know, the, some of the creators may never fully kind of grasp yeah, the actual yeah. vision. I mean, imagine, let's say Hogwarts from Harry Potter. You know, to be just a designer, a creator, whatever your title would be, and to be say, okay, we need a school that's also this old castle. You know, that could be anything. Yeah. And how many times they would have had to gone through that to actually get what, you know, Rowling had in her sure. mind there. And to have it come out as, you know, I'm no like big Harry Potter fan, but damn, if that castle I was love the look freaking the gorgeous, yeah, right? Absolutely. Come it was iconic. It was amazing. They knocked it out of the park. And, you know, it can go really right and it can go really But wrong. that's just a great example of where they get inside the creator's head and they, yeah, they know yeah. versus Super Mario but, you Brothers know, it's where like they just the, drink. What, the blind men and the elephant, right? Everyone's seeing a different part and saying, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is good. This is what it's like. And then it comes together and you're like, what a yeah. shame. Yeah, that's exactly true. And even to like a, a larger degree too, like even like animation teams, like the the team that animated that flying monster thing, like there were probably texture artists that had no idea about like the main thing that they were doing. Oh, they yeah. just knew that they had to right. make this thing look, you know, bubbly or whatever. And I, I guarantee that there was like at least half of that team that went to see that movie and went, wait, wait, what the fuck? Like that was. <laughs> I... <laughs> what a feeling that must be. Just we, horrible. Yeah. Who was the guy we had somebody on the show uh, who had worked on Stranger Things? He did the yeah yeah. I cannot remember his name I off the top of my head. He did the, the digital, the graphic, the 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 graphic overlay on yeah. the filming of uh, uh, Stranger Things. But I think he had said the same thing. He goes, you know, we get these notes and make this sink look dirty and like it's a <laughs> like a gas station bathroom, and he doesn't understand why or what it's going to be used for until Just they that see he has a job to do. Yeah. 
Very good point. Yeah, yeah the the only thing that they've been working on is this patch of like moldy, rough looking skin, and then in the end they're yeah. like, oh my god, I was texturing the Demogorgon's head. Holy shit! And then... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, that's the thing. Like every single tiny aspect of of pictures and and movies and TV shows requires this laser beam focus and this whole team of specialists who can do this and this and this. Like you're you're not going to hire one guy who can animate and he's also the screenwriter and he directs now and then. Like, no, you want people who are known (laughs) for those particular things. And and so you just kind of, you become a drop in the ocean, right? Yeah. Or if that's the best texture artist in the world, like, oh, tell you what, the skin just under the thing's uh, third northwestern flap quality you know it's just <laughs> yeah i also like the movie monsters that are just absolutely cheap and look and look at you know see those like, are the best like just somebody those like, are the best what's this what was that old movie this planet earth i think it was it had the the great big uh, round eye exposed brain aliens with the the claws that were obviously just two <laughs> oh, guys yeah like their arms and these extensions. Those are wonderful, though, because you see those and like you take them at face value. Yeah, you don't stop and think. What this kind of environment? Excuse me. Ah, there you go. Yeah, this island. See the zippers called. on the back of the yeah. suit. Yeah, and stuff. you're just like, yeah, that's an alien robot. <laughs> I mean, and that's why I think like you can go back to those universal, you know, like the creature from the Black Lagoon kind of uh, awesome. monsters, and still, you know, geek out on them because they. They they're more than just you know let's make a fancy looking thing let's they were putting out an idea that uh, that transcended whether or not it looked good it was yeah. just it was good it was from the heart I don't know I'm sentimental no, yeah no, no I get sure. it I mean there's more to it than just a monster wreaking havoc like sure. Frankenstein you know he all he wanted was a friend and yeah. in doing so accidentally kills this little girl and <laughs> he's doing his best does he have a soul you know is it right to have created him right and it's so it, much not only does it uh, become a relatable thing but it also you know spawns i think of the hunchback of notre dame i mean i don't think he killed anybody but a very misunderstood Still, character it's you know like what i mean different and sad and lonely and well and, like how did you feel about the the babadook oh yeah Never like the visual of that the, okay, well, the visual of that was really cool, but the the idea behind like the presentation of that monster and what it meant in that storyline, like that's why it stands out. That's yeah. why people talked about it so much because you know, for all accounts and purposes, it wasn't like a major blockbuster or anything like that. But what it was was smart, and what it was and, was you know, cool. <laughs> I've caught a lot of flack for like suggesting that movie to friends and then being like, "Thanks, that was shit," and my night was ruined. <laughs> And, like, I can't even be mad at them because I, I, I like to think – this is going to sound snobbish. I don't know. But, like, it, it it's for a very specific audience, right? I, like, I assume you watched it and you kind of felt something. You're like, oh, shit, I've been there. You know, it brings these these sort of emotional and psychological conflicts in front. You know, it's this – oh, it's this big metaphor for depression or anxiety or loneliness or what have you. And in that context, it really works. As a movie monster, he's not much more than a cloak, a top hat, and like some stock pterodactyl screams. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's that kind of storyline, like that more reaches out to me than like it, it's Silent Hill versus Resident Evil. I would much right, rather sit right. down with Silent Hill Absolutely than I would, yeah. you know, a big sci fi shooter romp like Resident Evil. And I know that, you know, that's uh, that's just an opinion, man. You know, <laughs> well, it's an opinion I agree with. Oh, yeah, it's, so a, it's a, that it's makes a well it received right opinion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have one here that I want to ask you guys if it qualifies. Darth Vader. Oh, interesting. Mm. I could see him. Yeah. And you know, obviously, again, a tragic character, deformed, cut from you know, misunderstood. Cut, I guess yeah, not really yeah. misunderstood as much, but. Now, I don't know if you guys have been uh, keeping up or listening to uh, comic news at all when it comes to Star Wars. But, uh, you know, last time I checked in, and as far as I still know, as far as the main run goes, uh, it's still being done by Jason Aaron. And if anyone has read anything he's done, it's fucking awesome, no matter what it is. But there have been many Splinter series off the main run, too. And to my knowledge, I mean, I'm positive the main run's canon, but to my knowledge... It's all canon. Yeah. Okay. And one thing that was just either in one of the most recent comics or something to come out, 
in the uh, Darth Vader, I think it's the Darth Vader book, it's alluded to, if not just blatantly put out there, that Palpatine, Sidious, is the one who placed the child in Shmi Skywalker. Like, this was his vision from Hmm. the beginning. Wow. I think I caught some kind of Did you read it? Did you see something on that? There was a picture of Hayden Christensen, and it said something about Darth Vader. I don't don't remember what it said exactly, but I think I saw what you're talking about, and I don't think that had anything. I think that was just a meme or something, but... um, (laughs) That's it, it, I didn't know how I wasn't sure how to feel about that. I, I don't know if uh, James and David are Star Wars fans necessarily. I feel like that gets a little bit lazy, uh, and that yeah. might not be a good. That might not be, be like the best hot take, but um, it, it's kind of like like you you guys you guys all saw Episode Eight, right? Yeah, uh, I'm assuming. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, f- fair enough. We can argue about that later. But anyway, um, <laughs> the 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 moment at which like it was revealed that Ray's lineage is is nothing yeah right like that was my favorite fucking thing because it because everybody was like oh is she like is she is she an obi-wan is she is she a right. skywalker you know and like it, tying it all together like that just makes the universe so much smaller right so like making exactly. making palpatine yeah making palpatine have like put uh anakin in shmi uh like just kind of ties everything together in a really neat bow and i know a lot of people who really like that kind of like sim- simple storytelling like this leads to that and this was always that but like having it be a random event makes it so much more powerful so like, yeah. uh, i don't know i'm I not about that from i agree we don't need the answer to every single yeah. lingering question right. and something sure, like absolutely. that especially i think I don't know. I think like I think you said it perfectly when you said it seems kind of lazy. I guess taking the easy yeah, way out instead of trying to well, make it magical, yeah. right? And and well, it, it feels like right now, uh, you know, to to pull something like that, it's, it's kind of like like what can we what what can we do that will like like ping off of you know all of, all of the fans like nostalgia so that everybody's like oh it was Sidious the whole time but yeah. like it's easy it's easy enough to retcon that doesn't have any influence over the actual universe you know and it's it's just kind of like eh. you know I, I I always just enjoyed the thought that we will never fully understand what this force is right. and that yeah. it yeah. just in its wonder and however it works somehow it's made that happen. Where, like yeah. even the people was, most connected to it don't fully Yeah, understand. it was a happening. The, yeah. si- the the circumstances were right for this to happen. Will we ever understand them? No. But I feel like since Disney has had Star Wars, they're very eager to not only explain the Force, but give it new and more powers. Make yeah. it more complicated than it needs to be. It's It's like... Yeah. It's the wide children. Why? 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 Yeah. Because of this. (laughs) You said tie it up with a neat little bow, and I'm like, I totally get that. Like, imagine the last time, hopefully not recently, but like you caught a person in a lie, Mm. and they've got a story where every detail is so perfectly organized, (laughs) and it's like, oh, they spent a long time piecing this together. When was real life ever so streamlined and logical? Right. You know, everything just kind of happens. Yeah, for sure. Well, we went so, down a rabbit hole there, didn't yeah. we? Welcome to the life and movie making episode. <laughs> a little bit. So I, I want to go back to whether or not Darth Vader is a um, is a, uh, a monster. A screen, uh, uh, yeah, a monster, right? So obviously he's uh, he's he's done some bad things. You know, he's made some mistakes. Our, our buddy Vader, and uh, so so what, what qualifies as a as a movie monster to you guys? Well, the only reason I have him on this list, he wouldn't be on this list if it wasn't for that thing I just read. Uh, like I said at the top, of, or, or the the thing they just did in the comic with Palpatine putting Anakin in Shmi. At the top of this episode, I was saying my categories were kind of off because I'm looking more in the realm of the animation of life and now have it with okay. it a possible thing that Palpatine animated you know Anakin into you know what I mean it's, to it's life. funny I, that you should say yeah. that because earlier on when you were talking about Frankenstein I was going to say like oh we can make the argument any creature born outside the natural cycle is a monster right it's like well sure right. there you go I sure. guess by that definition yeah but I right. almost so think is, like his is, redemption has something to do with it Toward the end, you know, taking off the helmet, yeah, looking into Luke's eyes. Opens between um, an antagonist and a monster, I think, is where I wanted to go with that. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have typically put him in that category if not for that thing I had just read, which was so yeah, no, I'm, I, yeah, and and I get that, like like you know he was he was artificially created, so he was like he was kind of put into the world instead of like just coming in naturally. But like I think I, I think that I would call Vader a monster because I think that after all the stuff that's happened to him and all the choices that he's made, I think that 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 he he gets to be the movie monster right because when he walks onto the scene everybody's like oh shit it's Vader yeah, uh, yeah. the damsel of distress thing <laughs> you monster <laughs> think about right. how they in episode 3 when he came off of the table after being first put into the suit yeah it was a corny scene, but at the same time, they really did capitalize that restraints. Frankenstein's monster coming to yeah. life. And you know what I mean? Like, kind yeah, of wobbly yeah. first steps. <laughs> yeah. and I don't know. No, I totally... well, and that's exactly it. Is that, like, Vader was, like, made to be the monster that he was, right? Like, his whole arc was about not having choice and and about, like, being manipulated into what he is. So I would I would uh, put forward that, like, to be a monster uh, would, would, would be to kind of be forced into your position a little bit. Yeah. I was, yeah. dude, I was just about to say, yeah. like, that's ah. what it is, right? The difference between an antagonist and a monster. Like, an antagonist's decisions have evil consequences. A right. monster's nature makes it evil to the outside world looking in. You know, mm. it's it's a thing outside of place. And what's Darth Vader except this powerful, troubled, supremely driven person who's been dealt all these tragedies and turned in all these directions, and he's just moving forward. He's just in mm-hmm. constant motion, and there are all these players around him that are moving him this way and that. He's just the monster. He's raging and doing this and fighting and from the outside, we're like, oh, look at all these atrocities. But from inside his own head, it's probably more like, boy, I'd love to just go home and take a nap right now. But I've got to destroy this rebellion and do this and that. And the emperor wants this. I don't think naps exist in Star no, Wars. No, will soak in my back to take in my underwear and my diaper. <laughs> go for a nice uh, skin scrubbing now. Yeah. Do we have any other monsters to mention here, gentlemen, before we move on? Well, after that whole defining a monster, totally kind of took yeah, all I the stuff it. that I had out of there. Because <laughs> they're mostly just monster in the sense of... Well, again, being... uh, it, it was very loose. Yeah. It was very well, loose. Yeah, and just because sure, I, of... I, didn't, I didn't mean to, like, narrow that down on you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, all my stuff's shit now. <laughs> just go wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have one that might, like, break that mold again as I set it up and then break it immediately. So James was talking about, uh, you know, like, monsters that were obviously very, very poorly made. Uh, how about the... Uh, oh, shoot, what are they called? It's like the killer clowns from outer space or something like that. Oh, my God. Right? Those things are terrifying, and I would definitely yeah. call them screen monsters, but also, they weren't created by anybody else, and, like, as far as we can tell, their motivations are pretty evil. They're both the antagonists, and I would argue the monsters of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an exception to prove the rule, right? Yeah. Well, one I had on my list here I wasn't going to mention, but since uh, that made me want to mention it, Finster from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Do you guys remember Finster? <laughs> He's the one who made the He'd monsters. He'd just yeah. make them out of clay and run them through this machine, and they'd come out the other end full grown and alive. I want that yeah. machine. Oh, yeah. He made some of the dumbest shit, man, like yeah, I'd yeah, ever yeah. seen. Like, <laughs> it's a stoplight for a head? Like, what the fuck? With I got an idea. Claws and- <laughs> make a thing with an atomic bomb for a heart, and every one of its limbs ends in a gun. It, I mean, so little thought was put into this these these <laughs> monsters and some of them were kind of okay but one was like okay it's a pig's head put a fucking spartan helmet on oh, him yeah. and give him <laughs> arms and legs on the head and we'll call that a monster i mean like, no dude nah and why did they only ever make one at a time he had to, he could have made an army of these fuckers and killed them the first time I, yeah, just I'm, remold the putties and you have yeah, a whole army I mean, it's just product testing man you know he's gonna find <laughs> one that sticks <laughs> what works we'll see how this one works <laughs> Maybe this one will go for the gold, all right. They're having board meetings on their next monster. Well, we increased fight time by about 30 seconds. <laughs> Perceived rate of injuries went up. We so. need to focus more on defense this yeah. next time. <laughs> Offensive tech is nice, but when you don't have the long journey. Okay. So add one more. We're going to have to let you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> not as good as they were five years ago. I'm just going to say it, Okay. <laughs> 
Go ahead, Jake. I'm going to throw in one more monster that has nothing to do with our previous conversations just because the idea of it scares me so much. You touched on it, the blob. Mm-hmm. You see all sorts of scenes where people are being dissolved alive by this blob. Yeah. The thought oh, yeah. of that is the most horrific thing I can even imagine, of like having oh. every every like inch of the surface. The thing of nature, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and just... Ugh. I've never seen the blob. Was this a fast-moving thing, or was it... No. Well, it could with one of those. Not like chasing you. Yeah, yeah. it just kind of snatch you. Kinda Mostly it like snuck up on people. I yeah. Think. I just... mean, you wouldn't be in an open street like, hey, run, it's the blob. Like it would be in a cupboard and then you're fucked because you didn't check the cupboard. But then the more it ate, it grew bigger yeah, and bigger. Yeah. So I remember as a kid being into Goosebumps, uh, R.L. Stein <laughs> yeah. Goosebump books, and they did yeah. a take on the blob. It was called Monster, Monster Blood. Blood. Yeah. And they had three parts to that book. I, buddy, I was at the store. All three of them. I love the <laughs> series. And it's funny because I uh, recently was at my uh, dad's bringing some old stuff home, and I found one of those books in there and read it. My God. They That's have not a, aged. No, well. they have not. <laughs> Letters are really <laughs> big in the book. Oh, yeah. They've, they've become more of pamphlets than books right. now, you know? But uh, anyway. The, uh, the interesting thing about some monsters, and I'll, I'll just kind of you know, wrap my head around this one. Okay. So think about monsters like Freddy, you know, that have to like do the jump scares and, and surprise their victims. Right. right. And then think about stuff like the blob or hell, even, uh, the, the, the monster from the ring series. Right. Oh, like, oh yeah. They didn't, they didn't necessarily have to like jump up and scare you. All they had to do was, look at you and like she she didn't do jump cuts she didn't do any of that stuff it wasn't like a jump scare type of horror it was a i'm coming for you and there's literally nothing you can do same thing with the juan you know like it, it's it's that kind of horror that is self-confident you know yeah you yeah got that pursuit monster it's just like i'm gonna get there that is a good point that, you oh, know i didn't even I, think about and i won't worry about whether i'm scaring you like i don't have any <laughs> any skin in this game you're just gonna die and that's all there is to that's it so i don't watch a whole lot of horror only because i feel like my the bar i set for what i like and accept is far too high yeah i'm disappointed (laughs) far too often but the first time uh, i ever see a horror movie deliver a jump scare i'm almost instantly out I'm just like, oh, okay, that's yeah. what this is going to be. Yeah. I get pissed because they done. got me. They're like, ooh, you, son of a bitch. <laughs> you did it. It cost well, you not, millions of dollars. It's not even that. It's just like, <laughs> really? Like, I thought this was going to be a higher caliber horror film. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what keeps me coming back to horror is when I do find that film. That, yeah, that's true. That, means that, that makes it work and makes me be like, huh, that was excellent. Like, I've seen way more bad horror films then i have good ones for sure but the ones that you know surprise me that's what that's what keeps me coming back i'm gonna have to uh look more into that now that i that we've kind of talked about this and i have it in my awareness i'd like to find more horror films that are like that because i can't think of any off the top of my head because i i can i know i enjoyed the ring when i saw that mm-hmm. same here mm-hmm. so i never saw the sequels were they any good uh mm, not so much no no I still want to see that uh, the newest Blair Witch on Jake's testimony alone here. I... There, it had some interesting elements. Yeah, it sounded pretty good. Some but... stuff that really got to me in weird ways. They, they, they did some interesting things, but I tell you what, I, I am such a... Like, when I go to the movies, I'm so set on having a good time that my defenses are down. Like, afterwards, I'll be like, ooh, that was garbage. When I'm in the process of watching a movie, I'm ex- so excited to be watching a movie that I almost always think it's good that's how time. I am yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'll watch it later and be like wow that was bad yeah. I thought this was good yeah. after I saw it and I, <laughs> talking to Adam Swart I was like yeah fuck yeah it was cool but if I watch it again I might be like mm-hmm. episode 8 did that to me oh. <laughs> Anyway, let's not open that fucking no, box no. because we're going to end up talking for another 40 minutes on it. we got to move on. we got to move on. And uh, before we do, gentlemen, Adult Swim has sent another package oh, our oh, way. Yes. Yeah. Another package here. It's a black oh. box with a screaming, wailing man on what the front. What in God's name are we Who looking at? Who is that? Uh, well, let's find out together, shall we? You know, typically when you open these boxes and look at the fun things that Adult Swim sends, you can be like, oh, 
that's a Jack prize. Or, oh, Jake, he's going to want that. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't one of those pet, those gifts. You know, I, I don't know what to do with Jeremy this. Jeremy gift? No. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy isn't the dump bin for the <laughs> shitty ones. <laughs> we have a oh. purple fanny pack. That we do. From a new show premiering on Adult Swim called Tigtone. Not only a purple fanny pack, but it's got a it's nice got like loin pelt of, on it. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. It's more of a loin, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it looks like uh, something to do with this guy and this alien friend. I haven't seen a trailer or anything for it yet, so I really know little about it. But I think I'm going to be having to set the DVR. What's the tagline on there? From the creators of Tigtone comes oh. Tigtone. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> So it obviously has the Adult Swim uh, humor element we all know and love. If you take a look at the back of this thing, it's Jake, maybe you could get a that. picture of that and throw that up yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, maybe someone can make sense of this because I am lost. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't interested. It's definitely, definitely intriguing. Yeah, definitely. yeah, get pictures of the whole thing and put it up on, uh, on ins- Instagram. Well, it's funny you say that because I was wondering if people not only be interested in having this gift, but maybe we would autograph it for them. You think hey. they'd give a shit? Probably not, but... Nah. it sure make us feel good. Why would they yeah. care about a purple we fanny pack to begin with? Autograph the card that it's tied to. Well, that's what I meant, not the, the fanny pack. <laughs> Sign know. in the purple hair, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> January 13th, it premieres on Adult Swim. It doesn't have a time, but typically these things premiere at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I would be checking on your DVRs. And uh, Go to adultswim.com. Uh, I'm sure there are trailers there, if not on YouTube. Tigtone, T-I-G-T-O-N-E. And I want to thank Adult Swim, as always, for sending <laughs> yeah. another very entertaining package our way. We never tire them. Love them, and uh, we have to figure out what we're going to do with this thing. Yeah, something <laughs> hanging up on the wall. I'm going to wear it, boy. <laughs> One of the local rock music station DJs calls those a bro bag. I'm sure oh, he's trying to his way of making it cool so he can wear it to work. I think so. Yeah. Like, no, dude, it's cool. Yeah. It's a bro bag. <laughs> All the bros wear. <laughs> North Face makes it, right? <laughs> All right, now we are running a bit long here uh, today at 40 minutes, so let's cut the comic vault down just to just a few. Uh, first of which I want to mention here a, a person who's been on the show several times, Jerome Walford. I don't know if he's been on since you've even been with us. Not that I can recall. He was for his anthology that he did. Was he? Yeah. Okay. He, well, you might not have been here that day. Uh, you were, he was a regular on the show in like the early days, yeah. and... Um, Man, what good artwork and good just writing comes from the projects he's associated mm-hmm. with. And uh, this is the next installment of Nowhere Man. I can't remember the exact number. I forgot to write it down, which what is being released. I think it's like volume three, I think, is what's just come that out. sounds right, yeah. But for uh, those of you who aren't aware of what Nowhere Man is, it's about uh, Jack McGuire, a cop by the name of Jack McGuire, who lost his father in 9-11. He was one of the first responders uh, that went in before the towers went down. And uh, he just kind of spends his life trying to, you know, honor his father's memory and his name and being the best cop he can be. Well, then he comes into these future, uh, like, special operatives who have come back with a special technology that they give him and gives him special powers and allow him to kind of fight off these uh, future entities that are coming back to cause Well, doesn't he, like, branch back and forth between a guy that's from the future? I can't remember exactly. Man, it's been a long time ago. We started this show in 2013. I (laughs) remember that, and this was toward the beginning. So it's been a little while. But, um, you know, getting back into that comic, I, I, I read most of it, and getting back into it was like putting on a comfortable pair of old shoes or something you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah. it, it was uh cool to dig back in and get a taste of the story we see jack now getting a grasp of his, of his powers finding that certain gestures he makes with his hands and his arms make certain things happen like energy orbs around him or a shield or if he holds his hand out like he's typing kind of like a you know how falcon has a talon that shoots out his back yeah, yeah. a very similar kind of a talon kind of a thing that comes out and he can control um, and taking on another entity who has the same kind of technology as he does, but much more advanced. I mean, that's... Of course. Right. But the artwork is fantastic. I can't stress it enough. I, I think of it now mentioning that villain because there's, their fight scene, 
the artwork looks better than typical stuff you get from DC and Marvel, I think. Oh, nice. yeah. It's so good, so colorful, uh, just so well done. And uh, another thing I really enjoyed about the comic, I don't want to give too much away. Again, it's an indie, sh- indie comic. But later in the uh, issue, Jack's, uh, like I said, a cop, but he's wanted by the cops. They think he's murdered somebody, which he, has, which he hasn't done. He's, he's a fugitive. And one of the cops, his love interest, I take it, knows he's innocent. And so the, the, you know, the word of the street is we're looking for a guy wearing this blue beanie toboggan with the two zeros on the front. It was kind of his uh, insignia. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yep. So uh, she goes downtown and gets, like, boxes of these hats made and just goes on rooftops throwing them <laughs> out. So <laughs> everybody nice. has them, you know. <laughs> but it was just a uh, – it's a great comic. I strongly recommend looking into it. Nowhere Man from Forward Comics. That's comics with an X. Forwardcomics.com. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Is there a lot of uh, more schematics? I didn't see any schematics, no. Oh, that's no. one of the best parts of that book. Well, I think they probably did a good job of explaining most of it in the beginning. Well, I don't yeah, think his yeah, technology has really changed a lot. He's yeah. just got a better grasp of what it can do now. That's true. But, and there's a lot going on with telepathic links between people that I don't quite understand yet. But, again, <laughs> it's been a long fucking time. Yeah. All right, maybe uh, maybe we got time for one more comic entry here, gentlemen. Anyone? You know what? I'd like to make a quick shout out via Twitter. So I'm going to give Jack the floor here to okay. talk about his comic. So I've got in the talking about monsters, ogre. It's about an ogre. Oh, appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it takes place in a land that's you know riddled with war. There's a north and a south that's always been fighting. And it opens up on a castle and into the dungeon. It kind of gives a, a brief what's going on, who's what what army is actually attacking the castle. It gives a little bit of detail and story on there. But there's a bunch of prisoners, of course, in the dungeon. And they're talking about the goings-on with the war and what's going to happen. And there's this ogre just sitting there in the corner, just minding his own business. And... They hear him talk to someone every once in a while, and they keep yelling at him, you know, quit talking to that thing. Well, come to find out that he's got shackled to him is a dead guy. <laughs> and he talks to the dead guy, which is a ghost that hangs around him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's dragging the weekend at Bernie's corpse while he's seeing his ghost in front of him? like mm-hmm. Yeah, he carries him around just wow. taking care of him. Um, they end up breaking out of the, the prison. The ghost is... Teaching him how to wants to teach him how to fight with a sword. The ogre would rather fight with a big club because it's easier. But you know, you get better, I guess, better results with a sword. If <laughs> More mileage, fight. For sure. <laughs> but he would pretty much. It's kind of like ogre how he'd rather just be on his own, left his own devices on his with his life. But he's got to kind of decide what he's going to do now that he's out free. Not so much with the body. I guess he kind of likes having the body with him. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty good. It's all done in watercolor. Uh, Bob Sally wrote it. Sean Daly did the art. And it's... If you look at the the artwork, the, it looks like it's watercolor paper. You can see the texture. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really yeah, nice. it really does. So I don't know if that was just like on the computer. You can get make the canvas look like watercolor and then paint on it. Or if it's actually scanned images. Well, I mean, they have... Uh... Kind of like if you had like a, a Apple Pencil, for example, with an iPad and certain program where you can mimic the effect of watercolor. I mean, mm. you're still actually doing the painting and stuff, but just with on a. Don't you have one of those things at home, like a oh yeah, my, electronic yeah. like pen pad that hooks into your computer yep. that you can. So I mean, it's yeah, technically it's still them doing the artwork. It's just uh, not actual. But who knows? Maybe it was. This is gorgeous. Yeah. And there's three issues. They're just now. I think taking orders for the trade. If you go to Source Point Press, you're not going to get any of these issues. They're all sold out. So you're probably best maybe looking at your local comic shop or getting digital on Comixology. Very nice indeed. It's from Bob Sally. It's going to be good, right? Yep. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's turn our attention over to James and David and talk about another webcomic, Metaphorical Her, which has just been an absolute pleasure. James, David, I want to thank you guys again for being here with us today, and I'm excited to hear 
more about this comic. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Give the listeners like a, a an overview of what Metaphorical Her is. Metaphorical Her is a story about ambition and poetry and the rock scene, and uh, it's a filled. It takes all that and kind of is encompassed by this storytelling. Um, I don't want to say gimmick, but that's kind of the word I've been using. Um, gimmick in which we use visual metaphors to help tell the story. Because it's it's a slice of life story. And I've always wanted to tell a slice of life story. Like, it's it's been on my bucket list for the longest time. But for me, like, I'm a horror writer. I've done a lot of sci-fi. Like, I've done a lot of genre work. And I needed something that would keep me and presumably Dave... And presumably the the audience or the readers interested in like excited to see what was going to be shown next. And to do that, uh, we decided to go with this method of using visual metaphors to help the story along. Because in poetry and prose, you can tell, you know, you can use metaphors all the time. Mm-hmm. But in comics, if you use metaphors, it gets kind of murky and might confuse the readership. So. That was both a worry when we started doing that, but at the same time, I was just like, "Screw it, we're we're gonna see if this plays." And so far, it's it's been a lot of fun, and the readers seem to like it a lot. It, it's in yeah. my notes right here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just gonna add on a little bit that um, at, at its heart, metaphorical her is um, is a lot about like uh, community and family and building up kind of support systems, um, and we have a whole bunch of like really. Uh, real feeling characters who kind of screw up on a daily basis and who hasn't been there, um, and it's it's kind of it's kind of all about like uh, leaning on the people that you love and uh, in order to spice it up, um, oh, yeah, all of our all of our visual metaphors are, are set so that they kind of like shock you out of the like everyday real life situations that we're kind of setting up, uh, like. For instance, like uh, it's it's not exactly a spoiler because it happens in panel three. Um, our main character commits career suicide by blowing her brains out in front of some very affluent people, and it's an amazing uh, and picture she, too. Yeah, yeah. Just it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and and then she continues on as if she was ac- actually fine. And we we had a bunch of readers be like, oh, so does she have like healing powers or something? Like, is that what we're doing? And <laughs> that's not what we're doing. It's it's like it, our, our metaphors are are real in the sense that they're visual, but they they they're not actually like uh, influential on the actual world. So it's been a pretty fun kind of project. It, I tell you what, it was the, it was that scene right there that really hooked my interest when I started reading <laughs> in the chapter one, cause I was like, Oh my God, what, what the fuck? What's she doing? Oh my God, she's killing herself. Oh wait, you know, and then for that to sink in, you know, she's still sitting there telling them off with half of her face missing. I like, I love that. And then a little bit later in the story, you see her, um, you know, tell tell someone who obviously cares about her that uh, you're nothing more than me than just like uh, a one night stand or something. And as he's sitting there, he just kind of takes his hand to his chest yeah, and just I'm sitting there looking at that pierces too. his own chest and rips his own heart out and hands it, it to her. her. And while the conversation never breaks, you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. I had to go over each of those metaphors twice. Just to kind of, you know, you know, one, hear the conversation and two, take grasp of the metaphor itself. It was just a great experience. And let me also commend you guys um, on taking the best advantage of your medium. One thing I love with web, uh, web comics is when they take advantage of where they're at, either have, you know, some kind of flickering light, maybe say in a panel. But the way you guys, your comic scrolls from top to bottom and, you know, the action, your your dialogue, whatever it may be, for the most part, stays pretty centric. It makes for such an easy, enjoyable reading experience. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was that was actually a, a pretty interesting um, thing to get used to, I guess, because uh, both James and I, I come imagine. from print comics. Yeah. So, you know, the, there are different kind of story beats that you play with when you're when you're doing an infinite vertical uh, vertical canvas. Um, and there are different things that you can play with. But like whereas, you know, uh, a regular comic page, you kind of have like um, 
one story beat per page and you you end it on kind of a cliffhanger so that they want to keep turning the pages in 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 vertical format you don't really get that opportunity so instead there's a whole bunch of really cool opportunities like that shot where the heart is bouncing down the stairs and you yes. kind of have to scroll to keep following it um and and we do some really cool stuff later on like there's a there's a shot where like i i, I pan down this field and it like flips upside down so that you can see the other end and uh and that's all been like super fun to figure out how to play with exactly um, yeah. And like, and, and how to pace your story out. And it's been fun to see, like, I have a good idea on how I want things to be presented while I'm writing the script because I've had to adapt script writing to a vertical format. Um, but it's even, I don't know, it's even more exciting to see what, what Dave turns over. Like there was a, there was a scene where I was trying, I was basically emulating, you know, you ever read family circus and how Billy just bounces and goes all over the place and yeah. no linear fashion whatsoever. I was, I was basically having one of our characters go through and do a bunch of errands, uh, in, in the city. And I didn't know exactly how we were going to do that. But Dave did this like really nice, just basically you're a drone going over the cityscape, uh, over top the cityscape. And, you know, you see the, the trails and like pop out, you know, uh, pop out panels showing what's happening inside certain buildings. And it was just a lot of fun, you know, and yeah. to know that we can, A, like throw out the, you know, are we going to make this a print comic? Because screw that we're going to make it a vertical format comic and the presentation of it that's what's going to be the allure you know what i mean yeah so it's not like it's not like we're trying to play both sides of the field because you know every that, that's one of the most more asked questions from from a lot of the readers is is this yeah, going to be available in print it was my next and, question <laughs> yeah <laughs> my answer is that's that's not in my head right now. Right sure. now, what what I'm doing is is writing for for webtoons format because that's where our readership is, and that's who's going to react the most to the story. So I want to you know give them everything we got basically. You're yeah, taking we, down we your tried. boundaries, and I, yeah. I I respect that. You know that's how the Beatles kind of did with Sergeant Pepper. They were sick of being playing live. They wanted to do something that couldn't be replicated live. Of course, nowadays it can, <laughs> right. yeah. but at the time it couldn't. And they didn't worry about writing in a fashion that would suit a medium. They just wrote yeah. to the best of their ability, and that's how you get the best work. I'm sorry, Jack, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off. I don't think this would work in print. Just the way it, it would have to be reworked in some, I would imagine, in it some have to areas. Be reworked for sure. in a way in, that would kind of in scroll her. form. I think it would ah. have to be done. <laughs> we have talked about that. Actually, everybody who we talk this with, we wind up bringing up the scroll idea. Yeah. You could <laughs> load it into the front of a player piano and just watch it right there in front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first. Uh, oh, go for it, James. Okay, so my first webtoon experience, uh, a mutual friend of Dave and I, uh, we worked on, Morgan Beam, we worked on a short story for a horror anthology that webtoon put together. And I was going to Emerald City Con um, last year, yeah, and was was just so amped to have this story done. It was, it was really, really good. Um, Dave actually did the letters for it. Thank you, Dave. Um but I, I wanted to print it out in a scroll form. So I actually like went through and saw like, what would the document be if I printed this thing out? And it ended up being like four inches wide by 77 feet tall. <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord. So I quickly nixed that idea. Wow. I could just imagine like standing in one of the aisles and just like, unfurling this long scroll that reached from wall to wall. You know? It sounds like one of those old like stock market ticker tape kind of things yeah, you yeah, have constantly exactly. running. You know? And it's like I'm, standing I'm in the middle of a big is, wall of the comic. Sorry, this is kind of unrelated, but who did you say was the name of the friend that you Morgan Beam. No kidding. I went to middle school with him. Uh, it's uh, her. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I knew a Morgan Beam in middle school. <laughs> Different Morgan <Holy> Beam. <laughs> well, we, only one. We have a Aren't best there? of episode clip here. <laughs> well, uh, please tell her I'm sorry for the confusion. And if it makes her feel better, the Morgan Beam I knew was a very good person, so she should okay. not feel better. She was a very good person as well. 
<laughs> cool. I'm glad I interrupted right. you for that. That was really worth it. <laughs> Me too, Jake. Me too. Oh, so but yeah. So, so when it comes back to like you know doing what we're doing, I'm really happy that more and more because when we first hit, there were a lot of people that like I don't want to say that didn't get it, you know, because that sounds like really uppity, and I don't, I don't. They just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like that. But a lot of people were just like, what the hell is going on here? And it's it's making me happier that we've gone through, we found, you know, a really good audience uh, for, for this. And the more that we do it, like, the more people are trying to explain to others, like, what specifically is, is you know, no creator wants their, their work to be just kind of left on the side of the road so sure more and more as more people like we just had a big q a uh reach out where like people sent us emails on you know questions they had on the series or questions on process and things like that and we got a lot of emails in and it was it was really cool to to think and to understand that we're doing something that you know people are people are digging yeah well i mean i think that Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I think that part of the uh, part of the deal, uh, it's not so much that like people weren't quite getting it at the beginning. It's that like we're not the general webtoon fair, right? Like a, sure. a, a lot of webtoon uh, audiences go for uh, comics that they expect, like romances and things like that, which metaphorical her is is put under simply for kind of lack of a better tag to put it under. Um, but and then here we here we hit the reading market with like, uh, hey, here here's a girl blew her head off and that's not the craziest thing we're about to do but and so like so like a lot a lot of people were like oh this is not what we were expecting this is weird and we kept getting comments about like like i still this comic but i'm still reading it and now people are still reading it and we have our audience and i think it's really cool yeah well you know it's a meeting where you get just get to be yourself too yeah i some of the most impactful comics i've ever read have been web comics what was that one jake maybe you can help me was it Something Rex about the superhero and the villain, yeah. where oh, in the I very beginning the the villain succeeds in killing yeah. his arch nemesis, the yeah. hero. I, I forget the title, but and you want me to? No, you I mean if you want to, sure. Yeah, but um, you know, right away uh, is like, oh crap! I've really done something bad here. This dude did a lot for the you know, just twisting the reader's expectations, I guess. And I guess that your your uh, visual metaphors is what really kind of got my attention. I mean, you know, that's what got my interest, and that's what made me keep on reading. So, um, bravo to you guys! You did a great job. I can see why uh, you'd be getting a lot of comments on this. Thanks. Yeah, that means that we did our job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned. I'm sorry. Edison Rex. Edison Rex, it. thank you. Strongly yeah, recommend yeah. checking that out awesome. uh, to anyone who hasn't as well. But uh, you had mentioned uh, webtoons.com as being the home for metaphorical horror. Is there anywhere else that people can check it out or should be directed? Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. no, uh, so webtoon has an app uh, that's that's free and uh, easy to find us and other comics on. But that's that's pretty much all uh, the only place that we're at right now. Yeah, okay. webtoons publishes metaphorical horror, so... Gotcha. That's Got you. that's where you go. And those are the links. Then we'll be putting on social media to help awesome. uh, mm-hmm. send people over that way to check it out. And I can't tell our listeners enough. Check this out. The visual <laughs> of the career suicide is well worth, <laughs> uh, you know, going and looking into it. It's amazing. Heart wrenching scene and pull his heart out, give it to her, and it's then rough. she throws it downstairs. Yeah. yeah. The career suicide, I would love to have in a frame on the wall. That would be amazing. Yeah, we were talking about doing that as a print. You should. You've already got one sold. At least three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, David, I hope you don't mind if I ask uh, James really quick, and I hope you don't mind. And if you do, I'll just simply cut it out. Um, I was happening. I was trolling around on you guys a little bit yesterday, and found that you're the James, a bass player in a band called, I believe, is it Kyat? It's quiet. It's it's like a it's quiet without you. Quiet with it, but it's still pronounced quiet. Got you, got you. And I, I got to hear the song uh, "Mannequin," and I just got to say it. I was a fan, a big fan. Really oh, thank good you music. Very much. Yeah, that's our latest single that we just put out uh, a couple months ago. 
Um, being in a band has really kind of informed metaphorical her because there's a lot of music influence. Right. Uh, she gets up on stage and you know and, and performs, and that's how she basically like beats the the old guard of the poetry world. She gets up and performs in front of you know uh, drunken dive bar goers uh, instead of the traditional like gallery uh, patron. Sure. So I've been using a lot of my experiences and stories of being on the road with quiet, um, to, to kind of add a level of authenticity to, to, to that whole scene. Sure. It's been good. Well, I'm liking what I'm hearing. And if, uh, if you're up for it, I could put that song at the end of the episode. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I can let people check it out. Cause Sweet. it's uh, man, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, again, check out Metaphorical Her on Webtoons.com. We'll be putting those links up in our social media. James, David, I want to thank you both, again, for being here with us today. Hey, thank you. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CandidatePodcast.com where you can check out all our guests, listen to the show, follow us on all our social medias, check out our YouTube pages, become a patron, buy some merch, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget, on Twitter and Facebook, we are at CandairPod, and on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. And what if? Go to whatifpod.com or look us up on uh, iTunes. Jack, what's the best way of finding us on iTunes? Because there's other what, what if, if series, it'll pop up. Search what if series yeah, on, on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. With and the series that asks. What if? There it is. Yeah. There it is. And uh, we're, yeah, we have the, it's the yellow text with the red banner over a like a blue space kind of uh, background. Mm-hmm. So there's some other what if shows out there. Quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, something we didn't think about when we designed that show. Not many comic uh, podcasts called Canned Air out there. So we There's kinda, also a movie called What If, it. too, I guess. Son of a up. bitch. <laughs> but IMDb is a number of books. Pop up. Fuck! This is just going to keep getting harder, isn't it? Oh, well. It'll make it more interesting with challenge, I suppose. All right. Well, with all of that behind us, uh, until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm James Maddox. And I'm David Stoll. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) We got through it! Perfect. (laughs) Just a boy born and grown In the shadow
on fire. I need to get help. Do it from outside. Blowtorch. Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! One, two, one, one, two, three, testing. Talk, gentlemen. Testing. I don't know if I, I can do Urkel still stare, Jake. Yeah, he's oh, yeah, the eyes. You like, <laughs> like my Urkel there? He's, like, he's concerned, but, like, a little aroused. And like he's standing too close to an open fire because fire, it's they're melting, melting on his face on one side. But oh, you know, these things have to happen. And he's friendly, friendly. friendly. Keep, keep, keep your safe. What's this? I don't know. It's weird. weird. Oh, did it again. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.